The Say Something Podcast is brought to you by AmomentWithMorris.com and BlackBlueprints.com. That's BlackBlueprints with a Z dot com. I'm Jermaine Morris here with the one and only Mr. Barry Axius. Peace and blessings, family. As we bring in the newest installment of the Say Something Podcast. Say something, say something, say something. Where we get together, talk about everything in the world and the life in this universe up in these streets. In these cold, cold, cold streets. That's right. Getting ready to hit you upside the head with episode number 49 of the Say Something Podcast. We, we climbing up the ranks. 49, I told you we was going to get to 50. We're going to get to 50 before the new year ends. That's right. Episode 49. I got a special shout out. I'm going to give this brother. Uh, he's from down south, but he went to school at uh, San Diego State and then ultimately got his degree from San Francisco. Uh, spent his time as an Oakland Raider. Brief stint as an Oakland Raider. And then he played a couple of years in a Canadian League. Uh, most people don't know about that part. It's what he did with his degree from San Francisco, he got his uh, bachelor's in drama. Mm. This man went on to star in, in such epic roles as Dylan, as Action Jackson. Oh, I know you know. As Apollo Creed. Man, you went you went over there with it, huh? Shout out one time to Carl Weathers. Yeah, love, love. <laughs> that's got a little, so love, love, love for Carl. That was my guy. <laughs> that was like the only black superhero we had for a while. That man. was it, man. Carl Weathers, man. That Dylan role he played in Predator, Apollo Creed. That was so sad when I, he got killed off. Man, too, man, the way they did him, too. That was a hurtful one. Got that arm off first. And, yeah. Yeah, it was go. But yeah, he was an Oakland Raider, linebacker. Uh, Number 49 for the Oakland Raiders played in 70. That's crazy. You went deep, brother. Yeah, I, that was, I'm a Carl Weathers fan. So that, that was, <laughs> you know, uh, that dude, like, the epitome of, of multi-talented bet on himself. Like, yeah. he was a, he was a wrestler. He was lightweight gymnast. He was a boxer. He studied judo, all that stuff. Uh, got to San Diego State where he was a defensive end. He ended up uh, hurting himself just on some unrelated stuff. So he kind of sat a little bit. Uh, he was an undrafted player to the Raiders. Mm. And he, they moved him to linebacker. And he was okay. He's, you know, he, he was solid. Nothing, nothing, you know, groundbreaking. Yeah. But this was a dude who always kept seeing big pictures. So after he left the Raiders, he still had, he still had something in the tank. So he went to a Canadian league for a few years. Okay. Uh, and then he was, you know, he was into to theater while he was in high school, so he went he went to San Francisco and, mm-hmm. and then finished up and got his degree, which he did a couple little bit parts, some little extras, uh, but his claim to fame was Apollo Creed. Yeah. And what a lot of people may not know is the way he got the role. So physically, he fit the part of the boxer. Okay. You know, he'd give you that Larry Holmes-ish, Ali kind of vibe. But the way that he got the part mainly is because uh, he critiqued Stallone's acting ability. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So when he was uh, doing the readings, is like the irritation that came across in the movie was real. So he he was like, you know, I you know I studied this and I did this and this and this. This guy just wrote the script, but he doesn't have the acting history. Yeah. So he kept his his irritate. This is the read. This is a guy trying to get a job. Yeah. And he is really just critiquing the people who were hiring him. Yeah. You know, and, and he's just like the irritation was just coming across in the lines and that passion was coming through in the reading. They're like, that's our guy. Wow. They're like, that's our guy right there. How you know this? I won't ask. Carl was, was, was a dude, man. That was like growing up. There wasn't too many dudes that I looked at. A, too many black guys that was like, you know, this is the same era. Who, Mr. T? Like, I mean, there wasn't too many brothers that was yeah. like I looked at. I I wasn't especially old, after the 70s. Yeah, I wasn't old enough for Shaft, like the truck turner, like you know, I wasn't that wasn't I was too young for that. So, you know, Apollo was the only dude that I looked at like, okay, Action Jackson, okay. This is the dude I would want to be like. Yeah. You know, uh Billy D was too old. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was I was I was a big too old, brother. too smooth. Yeah, he, not even the smooth part. He was just that was my dad. You know, that was that's kind of my dad's Nobody demeanor. Nobody wanted to be their dad back like, in that's the That's kind day. of my dad's demeanor a little bit, a little bit. Um, but I was like, but Apollo Creed with Carl Weathers. That, that's you know, he was he was somebody I was like that that dude. And even as he got 
older. So a lot of people said he shot himself in the foot on certain decisions. He 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 lost out on some money, left some money on the table. Mm. Uh, he was supposed to be got paid for that last uh, Creed movie uh, because uh, they wanted to use old footage of him for you know as, you know for for uh, some Rocky stuff after he had died, and he wouldn't sign off on it. Really? So like Mr. T signed off, Dolph Lundgren signed off. Yeah, get your uh, paper. He said no. I don't want to. Uh, it was for the Balboa movie, and he said no. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to use my likeness. He said put me in the movie. Like give me some kind of flashback, speaking role, some kind of something. They didn't want to do that, so he said no. Nah, you can't use my likeness then. So he left some money on the table. Um, you know, he he always had because that irritation with Stallone was real. Like, <laughs> uh, but this is a dude who who's he's sixty nine, seventy now. Still, still looking super rolls, young. man. Just, just you know, they've got mixed reviews about him in life. But there's a dude who had uh, belief in himself. Re- we say mixed reviews in life. Um, he's not the most personable guy. Okay. You know, so there's some people who professionally like to work with him, but personally didn't like to deal with him. Okay. You know, he he showed up on time. He he nails his lines. He does his part. But you probably don't want to kick it with him. After after the scene's over, he was a jerk. Kind of that, that's that's some of the phrases floating. Some other choice words they use to describe him. Yeah. Uh, but but the thing about him that I respect is this I is think, the dude. I think that's what they're gonna say about me that I'm a jerk. Hey, I've been called worse. Uh, <laughs> it happens. Uh, but he he had a foresight and a vision and a belief in himself. Like every time something didn't go the way he thought it was going to, he transitioned. Mm-hmm. You know, hurt himself in college. That wasn't the end. Transition. You know, didn't get drafted, figured out a way to get, you know, made it to the league undrafted. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out. Flipped over to Canadian League, doubled down on on something he was good at. He realized he wasn't going to play football in Canada forever. So he went back to another strength he had, got into movies, nice. did extra bit parts, just kept seeing the, the, the long game. Yeah, long game. You know, he kept seeing the big picture. And where I kind of see that is, is for what's going on in life is, is what does some of these big picture things look like? Because there's a lot of things that are going on right now uh, that are up and in the air and that are transitional. And we're going to see what this looks like in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, there's people who've been pushing a line for a minute, like trying to play a long game to try to get some stuff passed, to get some legislation moved, to get some some new uh, new ways of doing things. And so a few things that have passed over this this past week, we're going to see what this looks like in the end. one is we were talking about a little bit before is the the new marijuana laws. Ooh, we legalize, legalize it. <laughs> so they're gonna finally make it uh, official. Official January first, and so California, I should say. Well, here's the here's the the, the flip side part. So if you have a um, a, a card, mm-hmm. if they give you the card where you can legally carry marijuana, there's a stipulation when it comes to weed. Yeah. That weed and firearms don't go together. That's what I heard. So you can't be a card carrying member of, of the weed weed society. You gotta choose high one. times and a registered gun owner. You gotta choose one because uh, like you can't be a grower and own guns. You can't have the card and, and have guns. So there, there's a lot of conflict. So there's people who are gonna get who who bought a gun legally, yeah, and got a card legally, but are gonna start catching cases. Yeah, because they got the card. I'm mean, excuse me. They got the gun to protect the car that they got to protect the marijuana that they yeah, got. Yeah, or even if you say you bought your gun in 2010, yeah, you weren't even thinking about smoking it in 2010, mm-hmm. and then you turn around and got you a card in 2016. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not sure the full uh, parameters of when you uh, look to get your card, like the full uh, application. Yeah, but uh, you, the law is you can't have both. Nah. And and so I'm looking to it'd be interesting to see the criminal process of of where that looks like down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you really want more? Do you really want your weed or do you want your guns? And I think that folks don't want to decide. I think folks don't want to make the decision. It's going to be a very difficult situation to police this. They've also here in Sacramento have now put more money for policing this marijuana so as it is legalized and there was a big uh, victory for a lot of folks that uh, myself included my brother malachi 
had put together, um, you know, with some other community leaders, this this push for um, equity and um, the marijuana game. So there's like a million dollars that's going to be pushed to um, communities that have been mostly affected by uh, the drug war, okay. you know, right? Don't know how that money is going to be allocated, but it's supposed to be monies that we're going to be getting certain folks who want to venture into what's going to be the big boom, the marijuana boom, yeah. right? That they've they've allotted a certain amount of money to kind of help push that through, but at the same particular time, they turned around um, before that is almost gave I want to say eight hundred and fifty thousand to um, the PD just to make sure that it's policed properly and that they. Uh, really essentially make more drug busts. So basically all those folks that they've already had on the radar, yeah. right? Pookie, that's probably the little low-level seller, but they're like, ah, we don't have uh, enough to just kind of go at him. It's we not don't worth have it. the Yeah, we don't have the manpower. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're still looking at uh, a Johnny, who's pretty much more big time. Now all those guys, their days are numbered. Yeah. Because don't think that they don't have a file on some of these cats, right? The yeah. file that they have on these cats. And when they decide to drop the bomb, the bomb is going to be dropped. And it's going to be a very unfortunate thing because so many black people, um, just like in any big industry boom, I mean, let's think about um, liquor. Let's think about tobacco, let's do cotton. Let's think about even the app booms when you yeah. look at the Uber, dot coms and all these different things. Black folk are never in that that rush of the top or even in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Followers, there's, a, there's, yeah. there's few scattered guys and gals that will probably get their way in, but usually we're last at the race. Yeah, we're always last at the party. Even though we have started some of these things, the thing about hip hop, right? We started this this greatness and we got it literally ripped up. I don't even say it was ripped apart and out of our hands. It was pretty much given on a silver platter like, oh, here's hip hop yeah. because we have no distribution. Um, we we don't manufacture it in a way. Now I look at this more or less now new trend What I'm happy to see that a lot of these artists are getting smarter because of streaming and labels have kind of, well, at least the bigger labels are not as much of a force. But when you still look aligned to the... Um, the music award shows and yeah. more bigger industry things, it's still, you know, owned and manufactured by white supremacy, right? It's just still white folks got their whole hand or whoever, uh, Asians, they got their whole hand in there, yeah. right? But more and more artists are getting smarter to be independent, saying, I don't even need a label, right? Yeah. Shouts out to those people like Chance the Rapper um, and other individuals who really kind of push that issue. But when you look at now the marijuana thing, the fact that majority folks, whether white or black, Asian especially, they utilize the weapon, right, yeah. to protect their their merchandise, right? How it plays out to where now you got to give it up. And these are the funny things that when you sit there and you say, oh, yeah, legalize marijuana, I guarantee you when this was first put on the ballot and was going to put on the ballot, what, 2016? Something like that. 2016, something like that, right? Um, that folks never even thought, wait a minute, um, in order for me to have a marijuana card, I have to give up my my, my, now, my, my gun? Because something else happened that, that was voted on uh, this week. So the people who are really pushing for, for legalized marijuana are not middle-of-the-road, Bible-thumping, um, baby-boomer Republicans. It's not them. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's younger uh Deemed as liberals, uh, young folks, Democrats, whatever, independents—they're the ones pushing for it. The the other group—they're they're all about gun control yeah. and about the being access to their gun. The NRA, them, them boys. Because another thing got pushed through, where it still had it was uh, it still got to go through its next phase, but was voted through to uh, lighten up the the uh, restraints on gun ownership. About how your your concealed carry would be recognized in every state. Mm. So currently, when you get a, a concealed carry permit, so if you get it in the state of California, it's only good in California. Okay. So once you cross state line, uh, it's not recognized in Oregon, Wyoming, Idaho, 
Kentucky, wherever, you know, uh, it, it's once you leave your state that it was issued to, it's no longer valid or recognized. So you can be like, oh, man, I got this. I got a carry permit. No, you got a concealed weapon in this state. Mm. So they, they pass through the first leg of releasing that. And if you can get a concealed weapon in any state, it to be recognized in every state. Wow. So they're looking at doing a more extensive background check uh, in that process. But once you get one, it's, it's free for all. Okay. You can drive state to state and it's recognized. So you're seeing people start to draw the line of what's more important. So you're looking to take away a certain sector of the population's firearms where you're giving more access to another group that's all about getting theirs. Yeah. So when you start looking down the road, uh, say for us as a people and as a community, uh, are we chasing the wrong rabbit? Because we're getting excited about the opportunity to smoke weed without going to jail at the expense of our firearms and home protection. While other groups who aren't thinking about weed in any way, shape or form are able to double down and, and, and stack up and stock up and carry it wherever they want to. That's going to be crazy, man. We, we, I mean, it's a very, some very interesting times because, again, you know, people vote for these things and there's always that fine print. You yeah. Know? So there's going to be a lot of people that, of course, I mean, folks, a lot of folks that I know. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to get the um, marijuana permit or whatever yeah. marijuana card. They're going to kind of do it how they want to do it. Keep the gun under the bed and yeah, smoke until I mean, they get caught. So policing it in a way, you're going to get certain folks. and You're going to be able to drag down certain folks because that's just what it is. Yeah. But it's always going to be a way that folks are going to be able to be under the radar. right? Because I believe that everything that's being put out there especially with more police um just simply just directly focused on the marijuana piece yeah just strictly that the cannabis uh the cannabis the cannabis pd as i call them they're just going to be targeting more black and brown people i mean that's what they're going to do right yeah. so i think that in that sense of you know yeah you're definitely going to see a lot it's almost in a sense like you think that okay well now this will make it an even playing field. You know, there won't be black and brown folks that will get caught up. But now it's like, well, yeah, they still will. Because not only will they get caught up if they have a gun and some marijuana, you know what I'm saying? If they don't have their An card. Unregistered and gun and marijuana. Come on, you're, man. You're done. You. So, so <laughs> where you think you levy out some of these these years that some of my brothers and sisters are facing currently right now yeah. that haven't been allotted to let out. They still have kind of kept the system implanted yeah. by still legalizing. And on top of that, making sure there's more billionaires like you got folks in Congress that have been investing. You got uh, uh, um, folks that are already high level entrepreneurs on other pieces that are, are focused and ready for this like big pull yeah. because they've been waiting for this. They've already invested. They've already put their money in. They put in their time. Like they may not be the people that's cultivating it, but they sure are going to back up folks that will. So the, the, the whole train wreck that this is, is always going to be left to those who have not been prepared. Yeah. And a lot of that is um, African-Americans, unfortunately. And it seems like we always get the short end of the stick, but it's going to be very interesting who gets targeted, right? Yeah. Because that is where I want to see statistics come out in the next two years. One, the people who are getting rich, and two, the people that are getting targeted the most for these quote-unquote illegal activities. Yeah, because you're going to find the people who are uh, higher up, who have the resources, who are putting the funding up, uh, A, these are gun owners. B, they don't have medical cards. So, because uh, like I said, that branch, these people are not people who are really big on worrying about weed. They're of the opiate generation. Whew. So they're not worried about smoking cannabis to relieve their pain and stress because they've already got a doctor that hooks them up for they feel good. So yeah. it's something as we start looking at foresight and looking down the road, I think something we got to be mindful of as we're you know making decisions and what we get behind is seeing a big picture. And looking like, where is this taking us? Because yeah. when we talk about drugs, if you look at the 80s and 90s, um, the, pro the projection. So weed and crack were considered black and brown problems. Ish. And so the use of, of marijuana and, and crack cocaine specifically 
uh, were deemed as criminal behavior. Yeah. So if if you were caught smoking weed, selling weed, receiving weed, smoking crack, selling crack, receiving crack, you were a criminal. <laughs> it was a criminal behavior. Crack you, kills. You, you might as well have been stealing a TV. Yeah. Running out the bank with a handful of money right now. Yeah. Uh, the opiate era is a disease. Mm. So if if you're if you're you now it, because uh, opiate use is a more of a Caucasian uh, issue. So it, it's not a heavy black brown in selling, buying, using, moving, none of that. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who are involved in the opiate game are, are, are Caucasians. Yeah. So it's a disease and it needs help and it needs treatment. It's, 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 it's hilarious. It doesn't it's need disease, criminal right? behavior. <laughs> it doesn't need you don't need to go to jail. You need to go to rehab. You don't need a parole officer. You need a doctor because the long term progression, they look at what they're not looking at double downing on weed or crack. They like to do their coke yeah. and heroin. So we look down the road for some stuff. It, it's I look at I kind of look at the trend of that stuff. Okay. Like I look at what did we call it to what do we call it to what are we trying to call it? Mm-hmm. So black and brown do it criminal. Yes. White folks do it disease. Yeah. Why is the reason for that? Because we want to continue to be able to do this yeah. because opiates that are sold through the pharmaceutical corporations, prescription pills, Oxycontin, um, uh, Vicodin, all that stuff, billion trillion dollar industry because white people can afford to buy it out of pocket or they have medical coverage where they can get the good stuff. Black and brown people throughout the system typically are in some form of state or county issued uh, insurance. And they get the cheap stuff and they don't really get they'll smoke weed instead because you can't afford the pills. Yeah. So we need to keep that going and call white people doing opiates a disease so we can treat it so we can keep that train rolling. Where I take that is into this. Now, part of it, they're saying that it was off of a, a fake story, but it does get it does have some real uh, validity to it. And so we talk about all these uh, sexual misconduct. We talk about all these uh, these pedophiles out here in the game. So an article that wrote this piece about the, addressing the LBGT community. I don't know if you saw this. Mm. So the L is lesbian, B, bi, uh, LBG, whatever. I'm not going to just... Was peace pedophile or something? So that was another one. So they were talking... To, so what they're... they're this. Wasn't that a fake thing? That, that Well, that's what I'm saying. So there's a term that they're trying to push. It's called being a pedosexual. <laughs> and a pedosexual is, is rooted in the idea Ooh. of it shouldn't be criminalized. It should be looked at as another form of sexual attraction. So the original story in the piece that was written was fake. But there are some real ties that are linked to that. And so uh, NAMBLA, you familiar with NAMBLA? The no. National Association of Man-Boy Lovers, established back in the 90s. How the hell do you know this shit? I had fully used to, I'm ready for Jeopardy. So I see. So a group that was established then they, they what was, the, what's the group called again? North American Man Boy Love Association. And Man this Boy. is a real it's a real group. group. It's a real group that tries to say it's their big campaign. They have men yes. that are members of this group. Yes, who are into little boys, whose whole campaign is to remove the age of consent for sexual activity because they believe this world is going to hell for sure. This is what I'm talking about. So a lot going on, but let's tie this in. So if you look at where we were to where we are to where we want to be, how crazy is that if we fast forward 10, 15, 20 years down the road? Because we have so many cases of of pedophilia, so many cases of of messing with younger girls, younger boys. It is it it is a very large group of the population. Yes. It's not this little small sect in this little slice of of America where people like to act like it's those people over there. Mm -hmm. We have a high population in this country of people who like to mess with children. So how long are we before pedosexual is uh, maybe classified as a disease or as a reality? Because they're trying to move it away from being criminal. Well, I think that just watching in particularly the the outrage from some and the acceptance from others. Yeah. Where you look at the R. Kelly's, you look at the Roy Moore's, um, you look at the Woody Allen's. Um, you, you, you actually just look at a, a, a good majority of some of the higher ups and some of the power brokers in Hollywood 
that with all these scandals that's going on, and I'm not going to preference that it's everybody, but for the fact that consent, I will use that word as being one of the main things that I think that has kept this 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 sick train going. Yeah. That folks have not spoken out, and that fact that we have still some states that it's legal to have sex um, with a minor. Yeah. Right. Um, here in America, and then just going. Overseas, like to my homegirl just uh, went to Thailand, oh, and she said of, it's the uh, land of opportunity for pedophiles yeah. and sick fucks and a freak show, right? Like for ten year old, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just it's just wild, wild stuff that it will be a fight, but the fact that someone or some buddies that would actually think that it could actually happen makes me cringe because there was a point in time that these things and these people would even come out of the closet now yeah. right but they feel more comfortable and more acceptance because society i felt i feel has accepted that because folks know who's who in this kind of yeah. circle of pedophilia you know right? who not to leave your kids around exactly and as we continue to hear things. It becomes more normal, right? Yeah. We, we we see now homelessness and we're looking at it as, as almost a normal thing. It's normally to see a person in a tent now down yeah. the street. It's like, oh, before 10 years ago, it was like, whoa, It was bro. the one guy. It like, did you see that guy? Right? It was the one dude sleeping in the you street. You see him in there with the tent. But now it's just so many um, acts of inappropriate sexual behavior like just as the, the Olympic uh, doctor and Michigan State doctor, he just got sixty years child porn for child porn, and touching on and unnecessary uh, treatments, yeah, and and all that stuff with, and, with and, young people. And unfortunately, uh, you know, a friend of mine just got hit, and he's looking at doing. Um, uh, he's supposed to get sentenced, and shoot, I think he got sentenced. Um, for eight years, he's looking at right, and he was a, a teacher. You have all these things that I think and I believe that the press of it has actually made folks say, well, hey, guess what? You know what? Here's our thing. You want a solution? Well, let's just let us do what we want to do. Yeah. Because when a black community does not outcast R. Kelly, that lets R. Kelly still have what? Power in what he's doing. Yeah. Right. I have enough money. I have enough money. I have enough comfort. And since y'all didn't banish me, then it's okay. And matter of fact, there's a whole bunch of other people like me. Don't just think it's just me, right? Because I think that we have this sick sensation of when older guys um, start losing that um that attraction for older women because they might think ah you know she's older i don't want anybody like me they go deeper and deeper to these younger girls right and now even in our society to where it's more open to have same-sex relationships you start seeing that you know these guys are now really grooming these boys at an earlier age because this is kind of what our society has deemed to be accepted so i feel like when you accept certain things Here's going to be the backlash. So, because, you know, I reference it to it's the new normal. So what you do is, so, so for people who think that this is crazy and that this stuff can't happen, this is how you do it. It's the same way you, you uh, they, they do everything in this society. So if something is criminal, uh, then you, so here's a good example what they're doing with the opiate stuff first. So you, you criminalize it for the certain sector of the population for whom you, you want it to be criminal for. But then you make it uh, a, a medical issue it's a disease so so say you take pedophilia if you're sticking with that pedophilia right now is a criminal activity if you then shift because you look at the numbers of who doing it the frequency that it happens that it, it's such a huge sect of a population you then have to look at that this can't this is not just a choice of a criminal behavior that this is some form of a disorder mm-hmm. and once you label it as a disorder then this is something that you need to to need help for you need yeah. treatment once you get something that needs help and it needs treatment, you then remove the criminal aspect of it. And yes. then at some point you, you have to, you can give it validity based upon the number of the population. Yes. So if you've got uh, man, these people out there are, are flipping out. They're, they're acting all erratic and they're doing this, that and the third. OK, lock them up because they're running through the streets. They're screaming in stores. They're doing this, that, whatever. OK, well, we find out that they have a, a mental disorder. Yeah. Don't lock them up for that. They need help. 
<laughs> okay. So then you shift it to, okay, you give them help. Now it's, we've got 25% of the population exhibits this same behavior, this same disorder. Okay. This now is become, it's a high enough population that this is a natural occurring thing. So we're going to give it a label that this is what exists within this species. Yes. So homosexuality was criminal. Once upon a time. Then it was a medical disorder. Yes, it was. Now it's a sexual preference. And, it, and, it, it and, is. and a sexual identity. And it's almost to the point with being all that, that you can't even have. It's more dangerous to talk about than religion. Yeah. You can't have an opinion. You can't make an inquiry. You can't even say certain things that might even hint that you disagree with that lifestyle, that you may want to challenge it, that you don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. It, it, it is. You will have the gay mafia at your doorbell, on your social media, in your face. And to be honest with you, it will shut you down. Yeah. That fast, in a snap of a finger, depending on what you say. I remember just making certain statements about um, Jenner's um, sex change, and yeah. it was like, boom. I actually made a statement at a, um, a, a a lecture that I had, and I wasn't making anything derogatory, but then automatically the young some of the young people thought I was homophobic. But then we actually talked and I explained what I was prefacing and they're like, yeah. okay, we get it now. Sorry. And misunderstanding. Yeah. But these are the lines of when we talk about this. And I know going to what you saw, what you seen, I know some people commented on it and say, that's not real. That's not what um, LGBT stands for or, or, or will be about. Yeah. I get that. But the more and more, how did I ever think that I would live to see the day that marijuana would be legalized? In any state, yeah. right? When I was being chased for decades selling it. Now, I just wait for the day that they put the cocaine on the ballot. Because, again, we talked about it off um, off air. We we're talking about how we you know some of our white friends re refer a, a party as, hey, you ready to do yeah. some coke? Coke is just, coke. just party. Yeah. That's what's just, man, I like to party. Yeah, I like party a party. little bit. Party <laughs> and we're bit. like. Yeah, I like the party. Party like the turn up. Like, yeah. oh, we would look at, we're turn the music up. Yeah. No, no, no. Party, you know. And more and more of our young people, <laughs> it was like, yo, you do coke? Like, damn, like you, you're really going to the edge to where now. You go in the 80s. Your parents, if you were a child in the 80s, your parents or damn near everybody who came around the house or somebody you knew did coke at some point. But when coke it, in the eighties was 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 really okay, just, but when you look at it as far as the eighties, right? Yeah. Then jumping into the nineties, where now we have a lot of the music, especially hip hop, that were like, man, self destruction and talking about night of the living bass heads and these different things that are saying, Man, forget them drugs, right? Yeah. You now have where I remember going to school and I'm like, bro, you do who does that? It was like, oh yeah, that dude's a dope fiend. Yeah. Now it's embraced. Okay. And it's even embraced even more culturally where it's accepted. And that's something that is different from, yeah, you had the the eighties babies, or not the eighties babies, but the eighties time where it was kinda like, yo, Coke, Coke, whatever everyone was doing to then the nineties, like, oh man, come on, man. Okay. Well, let's stop with that, that. Is, see this is the difference. So if you had in the eighties you were doing cocaine, and cocaine was a was a rich man's drug. Because Coke wasn't for poor folks. Like the volume, what it would cost you is not that's not your recreational drug of, of, like on the regular unless you had some means and some resources. Hence, you know, crack boom, you know, where it, it's, you know, Coke light yeah. <laughs> is it, diet Coke, yeah. uh, which was making its way through black and brown neighborhoods and was criminalized. Mm -hmm. Cocaine has never been criminalized like that in the United States of America Never. because the prime users are more affluent Caucasians. Yes. So they don't really go for that. So what they so here you would think the logic would be that meth users should be criminalized just as hard as crack users. You would think so. If th that's the logic, because if you're saying that what a methamphetamine is with how it destroys families and communities leads to crime, leads to all these things that the same if you wrote down the, the the effects of the neighborhood, the community of methamphetamines and to crack in the 80s slash 90s. These damn things read identical. Exactly. Like you can't separate the two. Well, the only way that you do separate it is by the manufacturers, the users and the sellers is because methamphetamines are bought, sold and made predominantly by Caucasians. Yeah. Crack 
bought, sold, made primarily by black and brown people. Mm-hmm. The criminal laws are not the same. Methamphetamines need help. If you if you if you're addicted to meth, you need some help. You hear about people being arrested for meth 15 times. <laughs> like you hear about it. Like you, you, people catch a meth charge, they are a revolving door through jail. Yes, sir. It don't take but one crack bust. And you're you're screwed. And it's like a 300 percent increase on your time from crack to coke. Mm. You don't need but one two bust to miss a decade. When, when it comes to crack, damn, you could spend you could spend thirty times in jail for meth in a decade and still be back out on the streets. If they don't know about white privilege, you will know when you're doing some drugs. Yes, so I mean this 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 new normal s- situation that we are in. That like I said, the the pedosexual thing matter time wait, and I don't liken pedophilia to homosexuality. I don't think that yeah, they're be the very same. clear. Be very clear. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm saying yeah, I'm making unclear about that. I don't liken them to the two. I'm just looking at the pattern of behavior. Yeah. Even if you take weed, you remember back. I don't remember the story why the major push of why marijuana became illegal yeah, in the first because place. Of, yeah, because we thought the black man were going to have sex with all the white women, and white women right, wanted to have sex with yeah. the black man. For those who don't know, back in 1937, like that's the real reason a why a renowned got, psychiatrist took it was, the stand it became illegal because two young white teenagers. On a on a vacation weekend, a little break, uh, away from home, got hooked up with some brothers, and, and more so was merry-go-round. They got passed around to this group of black dudes that they met that they were smoking weed with, and then when they went back home after the weekend was up, uh, they both caught STDs, and you know they had trains ran on them. And so the story that came back is the only reason why these white girls would have slept with these black dudes is because they were under the influence of marijuana. <laughs> So this renowned psychiatrist at the time took the stand and said marijuana is for degenerates like jazz singers, uh, athletes and low life black people. And that it makes white women want to have sex with black men. So we need to criminalize it. So this doesn't happen in our girls. And, are safe. and what was when was this again? Thirty seven. Nineteen thirty seven. Yeah. Now think about that. This is all been a part of narrative change. Right. Yeah. You change a narrative you created to spin so it directly influences folks that have their mind think, yeah, that's about right. That 1937 narrative change of what marijuana really is and what it does all came down to finally in 2016. Someone was like, you know what? Uh, Let's let's just kind of. was going to sleep with them brothers anyway. Yeah, yeah I'm saying that's kind of like, <laughs> we, you know, we're, we're missing out on a lot of money right now. Yeah, right, right. It's just, just you, we, you know, we were basing all this stuff on a a, a, a fictitious kind of lie anyway, right? Yeah. So that's just been what America has been, just narrative changers. It, yeah. Whatever it fits the time to change the narrative, they change it to spin it in a way to where. They come out on top, and this is just another um, example of that. And the funny thing about it, when you go into history and you talk about how the policing started, well, they were slave catchers. Folks don't even want to make sense of what the reality is because they're so okay with the lie. They don't want to hear the truth. You like you tell them, well, this is how the marijuana Whatever, started. That was a long time ago, and that it got nothing. To exactly, and that's got nothing. Just, just wrapping your brain around this, just what we keep it in contact. Let's just say, for the sake of discussion, that, that that's that's how it went with law enforcement slave catchers. That's why weed was was the case of, of what. It, if you're the person who's on the receiving end, who has to deal with that, yeah. th- think about the world that you grow up in. If, if you're constantly told that uh, these are the people you got to watch out for. This is the stuff you got to stay away from. These are the type of people that are bad in society. These are the type we need to outlaw a natural growing substance because it makes this group attractive <laughs> to the likes of you. Listen to what that says, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you imagine if you're black and then you're if you're if you're naturally non-black, think about what that would be to another group of people saying that we need to criminalize a behavior because it makes them want to be attracted to you. Crazy. Like, we think so little of you. And we want so little to do with you and our children to do with you and our women to do with you that we will we will go to the extent of locking them up and put incarcerating them to keep them away from you. What do you think that does to the psyche, the mentality and the emotional state of the people you're talking about? 
You know, when you've got people in legislature, uh, the, uh, the legislative process and law enforcement and all that who are simply follow, like if you're a cop, you're just doing what you're paid to do. Yeah. If that's the case, you got no bias, no, no nothing about it. You're just doing the job you told. This is illegal. A lot of people up who are doing this. OK, fine. Um, when you keep dealing with people who keep telling you that your existence is criminal. That you just walking down the sidewalk and making locking eyes at a particular person is against the law. That's crazy. You speaking with bass in your voice or, or projecting or standing up proud with your chest out and your head up is against the law. It's That's challenging. Crazy. That's crazy. You know, you just being on this side of town, you moving into this neighborhood, your kids very presence in this school campus, like all this stuff is criminal. Mm. It's wrong that you're supposed to be here. You're not welcome here. You're not wanted here. We don't want you. You're you're infectious to us. Wow. What do you think that does to the psyche for generations to come? So when you talk about, well, that was a long time ago. What do you think it did to these people? But it built in. Yeah. It, this is how they lived. This is who they they were people they were around, the children they raised, the society they grew up under. When people miss that white privilege thing, that's the privilege of not having to grow up within that emotional state. Yes. You know, and so when we look at, you know, where the projections of things go and what they look like now and where it looks like they're going. Uh, we got to be mindful uh, of not falling for the okie doke. But we always do fall for the okie doke. And I think that's why it's so easy for folks to lose track on different things, because as they feel we have progressed in reality, temperament. Has never kind of changed because yeah. these things that have been served to us have been given and been served from generation to generation. Yeah. You know, these bad um, bits of information have been served. I mean, you know, we wake up and we grow up thinking that, damn, every superhero is white. <laughs> Why? Because we've watched Every superhero, we've talked about it before. In the 80s, what did you see? We just got done talking about the one great black figure in the 80s yeah. uh, was Apollo. You can't really chime in another like guy that really stood out like that. And then when you think about it, the damn dude died in, in, in everything. In, in, in the what? The, the, the fourth, the first installment. Yeah, he he died in everything but Action Jackson. Okay, yeah, and Bravo <laughs> for that. And Action Jackson got one run. Where yeah. if it was Rambo, if it was a uh, 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 Die Hard. If it was a Terminator, it would have been a consecutive run, yeah. right? So these kind of things that we celebrate too much in our society for black people or people of color, however you want to say it, it's almost like a slap in the face when we're still saying in 2017, the first black person that did this, yeah. the first black person that did that. It's kind of insulting. It's like, wow, damn, we're still in this point to where we're seeing that wow it's first black and then just looking at i just got done watching uh, uh espn and i just saw the cleveland um well actually two general managers fired right yeah. general manager for the new york giants black fired general manager for uh, uh the cleveland browns who only had two seasons fired <laughs> why well, get that i don't think they want well, but, but it doesn't so, matter though but well, see oh and, oh and 12 oh and 13, but here's the thing two seasons two seasons you've 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 set up a good draft you got some you got some stock in your draft right yeah. you might have picked a bad quarterback but i mean he wasn't there for uh, uh johnny football i'm just basically saying the the room for error for black people is minimum to much, none. Much, much low. You, you got much less wiggle room if you're black. And, and I remember being, I remember having this conversation with somebody as an adult. I think it probably made me 25, 26. And they couldn't get it. They, they thought that my parents were instilling um, victim mentality and racist views in me. Because I was having a conversation about, I remember being in the first grade. And it was I had this uh, friend of mine, little white kid. Shout out to Andy. Uh, we both got did really well in school, and I would always kind of we would reference we would fit number one and number two in whatever the, the the grading stuff was. And they I guess saw that as a teachable moment to saying that you have to beat Andy, like you and Andy can't tie. Like as you move in life, you know if if Andy get a ninety eight, you gotta get ninety nine and probably a hundred just to be sure. You know that you're going to have to be better. You're going to have to try harder. You're going to have to show up earlier that, that, the, that the margin that you will be gauged on is going to be greater than your white counterpart. Yeah. And I was explaining this to some folks, white folks. 
and they didn't get it. It's like, why would why would parents tell their kids that? And, and that just instills all this, you know, ideas and, and, and racial stuff. I was like, no, they were preparing me because as I moved up in life, that was the truest thing in the world. Like, Ty never goes to the runner if you're black. Mm, never. <laughs> if 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 you going if it's if it's coming down to the wire and, and it's it's a photo finish between you and a white person for a job for an opportunity for resources for your livelihood, it's not gonna happen. It ain't gonna happen for you. You got to have a clear cut victory. You can't go to the decision. Not at all. You got to knock them out. Not at all. You got to knock them out. You you, can, you can't go to the judges. And I think so when we when we make sure that we say in something to the stuff that we're starting to see these 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 trends these behaviors. The, these patterns uh, of what's moving on in, in this country and, and, and laws that are being passed and people put in place, like be mindful. You know, we keep thinking that uh, someone's coming to save us. Oh, you know, Jesus. That, yeah, that, that there's going to be this is the same country Jesus. that just voted down to to even go through the process to impeach Trump. They took all the information in the Russia stuff, all, all the issues, and they just had the vote. To go through the process of, of reviewing the information to impeach Trump, they shot that down in, in the House. Congress did the House. They did that. Yeah, they was like, we're not even going to go down this road. They didn't even go. They didn't even get to the point of going through the evidence. They was the vote to go into it to launch the formal investigation. They was like, nah, son. This is our they guy. Because they love what he's doing. Yeah, it's like this is our guy. He's working for the one percent. This is what we're doing. But you know the funny thing about it with the whole Trump thing. It's all the black people he was in cahoots with. I mean, he had good relationships with Jesse Jackson, um, Al, um, Al Sharpton, and a whole host of Don King. A whole all these dudes. folks. I mean, so it's like, I mean, P. Diddy. I mean, oh, they the, were caping for Trump before the, he started running. Yeah, the, the list goes on. I think they were caping for, um, for Trump before he started talking crazy. Well, I'm saying, like, yeah, before he was, before, if you go two years before there was ever talk of a presidential candidate. If you ask any of them rich black Negroes yeah, about him. Trump, it was oh, all about Trump. Oh, he's cool. Oh, yeah, I stay in his hotel good. all the time. Yeah, I did, that's the dude. We partied. Yeah. We partied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure they party. We partied. You so know? It's, it's, it's just it's just uh, interesting kind of change of effect now that you know most of these guys don't speak out against him um, as as much as they should. Um, there's no coalition of black uh, millionaires or billionaires or uh, however. You want to call the money makers of, of black America that co-ops a situation to really make and help us move in a way that it's strategic. Right. Yeah. We just kind of like it's almost every man out for himself. It's like, all right, we're going to do this over here and you do over this over here. So that unity part, we we know the economic lifts up any people's. Right. So yeah. at the same Especially time, in a capitalist society. Yeah. And at the same time, we have so many millionaires and they just do as as minimum as a lot of the white folks do. Yeah. What do you, why? Why should we do this when y'all got folks to help y'all out? What you looking at us for? So when you look at Trump and the fact that they didn't want to impeach him, it's just. American society overall. You even start we, the process to even look at it. We are okay with um, capitalist, racist, fascist, ignorant, arrogant, bold, and egotistical maniacs running this country because at the end of the day, we'll use and utilize that as a scapegoat and then what we'll turn around and bring is a hero and just like where eight years we got panhanded and get got shitted on by Bush, we'll turn around and now say, let's celebrate another hope of a, another Jesus Obama, the second coming. And the funny thing about it, what I always think about how many pictures Obama takes with Bill Clinton and George Bush Jr., I, no. I kind of chuckle. Like, cats don't see what I'm seeing. George Bush left us like, to die, right? I mean, literally put us yeah. in recession. But here's the same guy that you're taking pictures with. Bill Clinton has all but admitted that, yeah, I kind of screwed the black community up. And you're taking pictures with this guy? I, to me, it's just like, if you Negroes don't see that... Because you're one of the boys. Because if you, you Negroes don't see club. that, and you try to argue with me with all of the things he's done for Americans, not for blacks, but for Americans, and then we turn around and we see what's going on in Libya, and we don't want to sit there 
and criticize or scrutinize because he's a black man, that has always been our Achilles heel. Well, I think also we are not good about relaying the, the necessary information to each other. Like we, there was once upon a time we used to have our own radio stations. Every every close to a major city had a community, private, small business owned black radio station. Like you could get all the information that you needed about what was going on in your region and then you can connect the dots across the country and that's how movements happened. You know, you could get your information because we, we keep moving away from what we have. Like yeah. two major things happened this past week. Uh, Roland Martin, his News One show got canceled. Oh, really? Yeah. So they, they oh. were saying it was because of budget issues or whatever. But that show was a lot of people's, you know, CNN. So <laughs> a lot of black folks go to spots. So so what's Roland going to do now? Podcast? No, I mean, Roland will stay working. He's been in the game for, for 30 years, whatever. He's going to be all right. He's going to be on some desk somewhere. They'll have him some platform, radio, syndicated radio, something. He, he's going to be all right. But the idea of this was an opportunity that people could go here and the, the panel that was on there, yeah. like Angela Rye and people who would come on to the show, that you could get that information yeah. from, from people who look like us. Who are giving, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and that's gone. And then you had uh, Oprah who sold the majority of her own network to the Discovery Channel. Don't tell me Oprah did that. Yeah. So she sold the, the, the majority of her network for, I think it was like 70 million. Not the whole station, but majority goes to the Discovery Channel. So a network that she had uh, that she could have she could have partnered up with a news one, could have partnered up with a, with a show to start bringing some some real content for, for so what does that? People. So what does that mean? Her selling her some of the, some of those. So she owned the station. Yeah, no, the, I don't, no, no, no. But I'm saying so, that. So she owned the network, which meant just for everybody. So that means whatever she wanted to put out, all the the lanes, whatever content she wanted to put, it's fine. So she sold. She could have put our podcast. On. She could have put whatever. She could have put all that on. So now, since she sold the majority to Discovery, she's still going to get paid. For off of the revenue that the, that the network brings, of course, a smaller percentage because she's got a smaller share. But Discovery will now be uh, in charge of, of content. So what the Discovery Channel up. gets is access to whomever was already yes. following her, her show. And then they're not going to do a night and day content change because I imagine they want to retain some of them. Yeah. But you're going to get a BET. Where BET didn't change all of its format. <laughs> what it did is it didn't bring back Teen Summit. It didn't bring back, you know, uh, hell, Bobby Jones gospel. Like it didn't bring back content network programming that was good for the community. It kept the ratchet stuff, amped that up, and then slowly phased out the community building stuff. So I'm sure with Oprah's fan base, you're not going to go hot and cold because then you just wasted seventy million of your dollars. Um, you, they're going to want to make some of that back, and they're just going to probably just start slowly tapering out certain content slowly interjecting in others it'll probably start looking something along lifetime-ish hallmark the, the scope of who's on the screen is going to change <laughs> the content's going to change is it still going to be called oh maybe maybe not because it's discovery owns the station so they may change it to whatever they want can vehicles just keep some shit and just say damn it i don't have to flip a profit to the point like enough is enough with the money that I got. Well, because they're talking about uh, there's a lot of offers for Oprah to return to TV, uh, to network television, and there's some people who are trying to get her on some of these. Uh, I think it was NBC or something else. Try uh, throwing a lot of money at her to take some 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 high profile job because all this moving and shaking that's going on yeah, networks. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of slots opening up. There's definitely a, there's definitely a and we talked movement. To, yeah, we talked about it last week. You're not replacing the 60 year old white guy with a 60 year old white guy. No. If you replace a 60 year old white guy with a 60 year old black woman, you done double down on the demographics that you want. And, and you're showing diversity, quote unquote yeah. diversity. You're showing change, yeah. progress, yes. all that sort of stuff. It's the good, good optics. Go the good golden words. It's good diversity. Multiculturalism. You get Oprah <laughs> at your anchor desk. If you get Oprah oh, in a profile man. show on network television, you just quadrupled your ratings. They're just, yeah. Even for the first season, just to see what it looked like. That is a black woman that wins. <laughs> that would, oh, That's Oprah. betting on a winner. That's betting on a winner. That's, she's a win. Damn. She sold Oprah. Oh. She sold on. 
And so it's gonna be it's, now it's gonna be interesting to see what she does. Roland Martin got canned. Roland Martin's gone. Oprah sold her network. See, that's what I'm saying. Where it goes from the foresight. So what do they replace Roland Martin with? Nothing. Whatever content is already on the station, they'll more, just shift it around. More ratchetness. They'll just shift it. Well, it's it's um, Radio One owns it. It's a black owned network. But um, News One was the news show. So they said it's budget stuff. So they'll replace it with some form of content. But you know. So Radio One, he's still gonna be on Radio One. No, the show. So I don't know. I don't know if, if his his contract, the details of his contract, but the show that he had, News One, is gone. It no That's longer gone. exists. For sure. So it's not like they just replaced him. They eliminated the program. So his contract may be a network deal where they shift him over to something else, uh, or he just might be done. His contract could have been that could have been his show. So it, it, he just might be done over there. Wow. But what I look at is is that we don't see have the foresight. In the long game vision to recognize the need for those. Like, we need to keep it going, man. Like, Magic had like a hundred and something radio stations. And he sold it all. Which he sold to be able to play and get into sports team ownership. And to get a minimum of the sports team. Yeah, well, I mean, a slice of the Lakers is 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 a pretty big piece of every. He got a slice of the Dodgers. Well, that's what he. the, The Lakers is what paid for the Dodgers. The radio stations is what paid for the Lakers. Um, and so I get that. But when we have things like that, where we have a hundred and something stations, black owned, when we have those, all those channels that we can reach out and see each other and talk to each other and stay in the loop and stay in the know. Like we're in Sacramento and we have one community based station, you know, but is very specific about its target audience. Yeah. You know, we have one. They're more adult, contemporary. They they say this is music for grown folks or, or grown folks music, whatever. So their 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 demographic, they're looking for forty two and up. I think they need uh, the say something podcast. I think so. We gotta get get somebody on the phone over there. Yeah, we definitely uh, talk to them. But they're they're shooting for forty and up. So if you're young, if you're teens, if you're in your twenties, if you're early thirties, they have no desire to reach out to you. They're not even talking to you. Nothing going on in their their radio station is for you. So you have to go to the other corporate-owned stations that aren't promoting anything in our best interest. And that's not just a Sacramento problem. That exists all across the country. We have to have the foresight and the vision. We don't circulate our own newspapers anymore. We don't frequent our own magazines. We don't own our own radio stations. Every time we get a television show, we raise the value up and we sell it. We don't own shit! And... (laughs) That lack of foresight and that lack of big picture vision is, is why we keep finding ourselves out of position. I guarantee you, ain't no Telemundo ain't going nowhere. Listen, the <laughs> fact that we don't own, we don't trust, we don't support, we don't value, and we don't see the significance in team, and if I win, you win, the fact that we believe that allowing other people to tell us our history, create our narrative, explain our culture, and define us has become like such a norm. The black man and woman will always be in this figure four position in white supremacy or in anyone's rule who decides to overcome or overtake white supremacy because it is going to fall. But I don't know if the Negro is equipped because in the essential things we don't even partake in. We don't have hospitals. We don't have grocery stores. We don't mean, and, and we and we don't have enough sufficient schools. We have some folks that are doing some great things as far as that school piece, but it's not sufficient enough, right? It's not enough. We don't even have enough teachers to teach our young kids, right? We don't have these things. The only thing that the black man, I'm just talking about the black man, you're gonna talk about the sisters that they love to embrace is the fact they embrace sports and they embrace and embrace entertainment. And those things I feel is because they just do it well without even thinking. I also think and believe that that's the only time that a black man is really going to be praised to such a higher degree of a God sense to where they're not going to be minimized any other place. You look at those people, mostly white, cheering on for those black guys, cheering on for for that, that, that ignorant music. These folks love that. But if you bring them back down, 
to common folk Negro, you're despised. So in that being, with that being said, I say that we've allotted ourselves to really believe one in this American nightmare and two to not embrace the tragic uh, hood of the black American here in America and not look at it in a sense of, okay, we have attained a lot, but there's so much more to obtain. And the fact that I'm winning doesn't mean that you're winning. And if I'm winning, that means you need to win. You can't be losing. We have to get our shit together, bro. Bottom yeah. line. Definitely important that we uh, recognize that, I say it all the time, we're in this together. And having the foresight and the vision to see past just ourselves and, you know, opportunities where I need to sell this to make money. Well, is there a black person you can sell it to? Is there something within the community we can keep it? Because we recognize the importance of black owned businesses, of black run schools, of HBCUs, of networks, television shows, radio shows, cable outlets, uh, recognizing that we have to pull together and be there for each other and see the big picture because the machine is moving, playing the long game. And then we have and then we have so much uh, we have so much pull, but we don't utilize that. We have so much. We like we there's so much that we could do to change this narrative and we just refuse to do it. Yeah. If you don't get this this if you're not playing if you're playing a short game in a long game, you're gonna lose religiously. You'll you put up all the best stats in the first quarter, but you're gonna lose when the final clock goes out. Uh, I'm Jermaine Morris here with Barry Axis. Say Something Podcast. Where can folks find you online for more riveting information and conversation oh, like this? Man. You can hate me, call me an asshole, and say all these other beautiful things on Facebook, Barry Axis, Twitter, Barry Axis, Instagram, at Team Boy, and of course, Black Blueprints with a Z.com. I'm Jermaine Morris on Facebook. Every other social media platform is at J Morris CEO. It's been Say Something Podcast. Jermaine here with Barry. Yes, sir. And until next show. We will holla at you later. Indeed.